It's always risky to invite someone who's sleep deprived to publicly speak, but here we go. Let's see what happens. Uh, truly, it really is uh, a joy, a, a pleasure to be here. I have a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this place, from being here as a student to working here uh, in various capacities, admissions, development. There's a few of you left in the room that I helped get here through admissions. Way to go. You're still here, hopefully. Um, but it really is fun. But I have to confess, uh, I had ulterior motives. I've been thinking about this chapel talk for a couple years and really wanted to talk about hospitality because I know how powerful it is when there's a really motivated student body who greets the visitors they see on campus. So I had this great vision of I'm going to give a really good pep talk so that every time you see somebody on campus, you're like, hey, who are you? Where are you from? Let me know you. But as I thought, and read and prayed, uh, I realized that what we need this morning, what I need this morning, is a lot more than a pep talk about being friendly to our visitors. You should still do that. It really matters. But that's not the point today. Because at the end of the day, our hearts have a much deeper longing, right? We all carry it to some level, to some extent. We put different names on it. But, but all of us carry kind of this ache to have a home, Right, this longing to have a place where we belong, where, where we fit, where we can shed off all the images that we put out there, where we can be known as we are, deeply loved and belong. And we all, we all carry that in some way or another. We all deal with that in some way or another. Some of us are hustling really hard to try to earn our place in a specific community. Um, some of us have kind of given up, thinking maybe that place doesn't actually exist for us. But we all carry that ache. And so I thought we should probably talk about that instead of being friendly to visitors. Because it's that longing where we see Jesus in his offer of hospitality meet us today. So we're going to look at one story where Jesus calls Levi, also known as Matthew. Uh, the Bible uses them both words. So if I switch, I didn't like fall asleep and use the wrong word. It's the same guy. But we'll talk about Levi and Jesus called to him. And we're going to see three really interesting things when he encounters the hospitality of Jesus. So if you have a Bible uh, or a way to get to a Bible app, which is probably more likely, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5. And I'm just going to read the account of when Jesus calls Luke. So Matthew 5, starting in verse 27. We're going to go from 27 to 32. This is the call of Levi. After this, he, he being Jesus here, after this, he went out, and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Would you pray with me one more time this morning, just as we ask for God's help as we look at this. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you offer a call to sinners and tax collectors and even ones like us. Would you encourage us by your word this morning? Would you teach us? Um, would you speak to us, and would you give us ears to listen uh, and hearts to believe, we ask in your name. Amen. 
So there's three interesting things we see when we look at Jesus' offer of hospitality here. And the, the first one we see is an invitation, right? So when I uh, was first married to Christy and we didn't have three small children and we were sleeping at night, we had scads more free time. And one of the weird things we used to do is we'd read books out loud together. I don't know. It was fun. It made sense. We did it. But the one series we really enjoyed and stuck in was Harry Potter, right? Thank you. Covenant's still a good place, all right? Side note, you could really share the gospel well with someone just using Harry Potter because gospel imagery is throughout it, but that's a separate chapel talk for another day. So in this, you have the story of Harry, which you all better know if you shouldn't educate yourselves, your college, for goodness sakes. But you have the story of this outcast kid who lives with his aunt and uncle, and at, at best, he's tolerated, right? More likely resented, not wanted. He, remember, he lives under the staircase. His cousin likes to stomp on the headboard, on the stairs right above his head and let dust fall down. He's great life, right? But he's this outsider and outcast who really isn't desired. He's just kind of stuck there. But then one day, everything changes when an invitation shows up. In typical wizardry fashion, it's a flying letter that happens to speak for itself and it's an invitation to this grand world that he didn't know existed, this school called Hogwarts. And so he receives this invitation that takes him from being an outcast, an outsider, unwanted and unloved, to having a place where he actually belongs, a place where he fits, where he discovers his purpose, a place where he can actually be known and loved. And it's a great story, and it gives us a lot of parallels with the life of Levi here, right? So Levi is a tax collector. I don't think many people think folks working in the IRS are like everybody's favorite guy. Like, yay, you're a tax collector. That's great. Far worse in this time because he worked for the enemy, right? Rome is the occupying army that took over and basically said, we're in charge. You do what our, we say. You pay our money. And they've taken possession of God's promised land. Most Israelites are not big fans of that. So working for the enemy helping them keep their hand around your throat, you are essentially a traitor to your people. So at best, Levi is tolerated, more likely resented and unwanted. He's the kind of guy that if you see him, if he's lucky, you just kind of avoid eye contact and pretend you don't see him. More than likely, he probably heard some choice words from time to time. He's a total outsider. And it kind of begs the question, like, doesn't Jesus know who he is? Right? This is not somebody a good Jewish person hangs out with. But out of that, Jesus offers an invitation. A simple one where he looks right at Levi and says, you, follow me. He gives him an invitation knowing full well who he is. Right? Jesus knows the best and the worst of who he is. His redemption and his depravity. He knows who he is. He knows what he's done. And he offers relationship. He offers an invitation for him to be known and loved in all that he is in his entirety. And it's interesting that Jesus' offer doesn't come after he got his life together. It doesn't come after he, you know, confessed his sin of working for the evil enemy and being a traitor. Jesus comes to him right as he is, and he offers relationship. And I want to suggest that's really good news for us today. It's simple, but you may have been there before where you've been in a place in life. You're, many of you are probably there right now 
where you kind of feel like an outsider, where you feel like you're still looking for that place where you belong, that if people actually know your stuff, you'll be tolerated at best, but more often resented or rejected. Many of us even think that maybe God views us that way, right? He tolerates us because he has to because of Jesus, but he's really tired of cleaning up our messes. You know, he's really tired of forgiving us again for that thing that we keep doing. We carry around kind of that weight, but the, the good news this morning is, is to you in all your glory and brokenness and all your failings and successes, Jesus offers that same invitation of saying, come follow me. There is a place here where you can be fully known without hiding, without pretense, and be fully loved. And in fact, it's actually the only place that you can get that. That is good news that there's an invitation to be fully known and enjoyed and delighted in and celebrated as a child of God. Now, I do need to offer a quick word of caution, right? There was one group that did not get to enjoy this invitation. Did you guys catch who it was? The Pharisees are standing on the outside looking in. They're watching the party throwing stones saying, you shouldn't be doing that, right? They're the ones that cannot accept the invitation because they don't believe they need it. They think they figured it out, right? I followed the rules. I've got the right way to do things. I can get by because I've got my stuff together. Not like those guys. I'm not like them. I've got it together, so I'm okay. So they don't see a need. It's kind of Jesus' comment here about it's not the righteous, it's the sinners that he came to call. It might be better said the self-righteous would be a, a way to understand that. They don't know they're sick. So some of us sitting here think that we have it together, right? We think that we've found a place where we fit in and belong, and maybe it's because we follow faith properly, maybe it's because we're in the right group, we live on the right hall, we don't live on the wrong hall, whatever it happens to be. But I would, I would caution you that is a dangerous place to not know how desperately you need that invitation to be known and to be loved. So there's an invitation. The second thing we see is that the hospitality of Jesus includes this change of identity. It's, it's a little subtle in the, in the passage, but if we zoom out to the New Testament, it's pretty clear, right? So you have someone, Levi, who goes from a lackey of Rome, the enemy to eventually becoming one of the 12 apostles upon which the church of Jesus is founded on. That's a pretty big shift. You have this monumental change of identity that happens when we follow Jesus. Now, there's other places in Scripture that make it really clear. Like 2 Corinthians 5 talks about if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. It's a whole shift there. I really love 1 John 3 that talks about what manner of love God has given us that we should be called children of God, and that's actually what we are. There's a change from being outsiders to a place of belonging, an identity shift after which you, you can't be the same. Uh, when I came to Covenant, I had one of those changes of identity. I got a phone call from the soccer coach who said, you can be on the soccer team. He also happened to include the nice data points of, hey, we're bringing in about, we got about 30 guys on the team, and you're coming in at about 28. Thanks, coach. Nowhere to go but up. Appreciate that. But there was a change of identity. All of a sudden, I was a Covenant Scott. 
I was on the soccer team. I had the place I belonged, an identity that was given to me, but that I really had to grow into because I was number 28, <laughs> right? So I had spent a lot of time with the team, training in the gym by myself, training, trying to get better so that I could grow into this identity that had been given to me. And it's the exact same dynamic we see with Levi here, right? That call to come, there's an identity change that happens where you are now a follower of Jesus. He did not earn it. It's really clear from the story. He didn't deserve it. It was just handed to him. This is who you are now. But it was an identity that had both been conferred on him, but he also had to grow into. So as he follows Jesus, as he spends time in his presence, he grows more and more into the identity that he has already been given. That's the tension of the gospel that is true of us, right? We have this beautiful invitation to be known and loved. We have this change of identity that's been given to you. You you didn't earn it. You can't. Let that cat out of the bag there. But that you have to progressively learn more and more to walk in it. And it's not actually rocket science. You learn it the same way Levi did. You spend time with Jesus, and as we spend time with him, we grow more and more into the identity that he's already given us, right? An identity that that Jesus actually calls for a response from us. We see that in there when he says he calls sinners to repentance, right, to turning. So as you take that identity on, you learn progressively to turn more and more from places of hiding and shame, um, from our lostness to our acceptance in Christ, more and more into embracing that invitation that he's already give us, given us as his dearly loved children. So I'll, I'll pose a hypothetical question that you can answer in your head. If I were to come up to you on campus and just say, hey, who, who are you? Who are you? How would you answer that? How would you self-identify to who you are? A lot of us would start with a name, but if we start thinking of who makes me who I am, what, what gives me my worth and my standing, some interesting things might come up. We might say, well, I'm an athlete, or in my case, I'm trying to be an athlete, or, um, you know, I'm one of the good-looking ones on campus, or, hey, people know who I am. I'm really popular, um, or maybe I'm really funny. I'm that guy, or I'm a good leader on campus. People know me. You know, I've got this official position, whatever. Or for some of us, it's what you kind of hold to is who you are is going to be a little bit more in the negative category. And I'm the, I'm the guy that cannot figure out how to study for my tests here. Like, what, or I'm the guy that keeps messing it up. I'm the one that's socially awkward. I just keep saying the wrong things. I can't figure it out. Or I'm the one that just can't, whatever it happens to be. But we all carry this self-identification of who we think we are. It slips in easily, quickly. And I really want you to hear me this morning to say that if, if you are in Christ, the core of who you are, the thing that is most important about you is that you are a dearly loved child of God with an identity that you can't mess up because you didn't earn it, He gave it to you because he's that good. And at the core of who you are is a beautiful, loved child who's being made into something glorious that you were designed for before sin ever entered into the picture and messed everything up. That is who you are at its deepest place. Beyond your successes, beyond your failures, 
If you are in Christ, that is who you are. And maybe you cling to that a little bit better than I do, but I usually need about a daily reminder of what's actually true so I don't chase after other stupid things. The trick with that is that you also have to be willing to let Jesus be the one who defines you. There has to be some submission of giving up self-identification, right? There has to be a sense of you actually know me and you love me, and so I want to let you call the shots in my life. I'm not going to just put you on as the backpack that I carry through life to make things better when things go wrong, but I'm actually going to follow you. But that's probably another chapel talk too. So the final thing we see, we see an invitation to be known and loved. We see this identity change that happens that's both given and grown into. But the last thing we see is actually a reciprocal response. If you get the radical love of Jesus at a deep place in your heart, then you're actually compelled to offer that to other people. And we see Levi do it too. What does he do? He throws a party for the other knuckleheads like him that nobody else wants to hang out with, right? He throws this big party that Jesus is invited to because he's seen something and he wants his buddies to experience what he has. He wants other people to know that. So do I want you to be super friendly and nice to visitors on campus? Yes, absolutely. But I want you to do it because you're more and more every day having your mind blown that Jesus himself loves you and knows you and wants a relationship with you and is making you new. And I want that to make you giddy enough that you make space for other people because you know Jesus made space for you. And we have to get that in the right order or none of the things we do here in our community work. It doesn't work. If you think your hall is gonna be what's, what makes it okay, if you think getting the right roommate, if you think the sports team, like none of that works if you're not first satisfied in Jesus or you're going to ask all those other places to do things they can never do. They can't satisfy that ache in your heart. That is a God-sized hole that is only made for him to satisfy. But if we can find it in him first, then we're free to bless other people without having them carry the weight that only God can. And then you have this beautiful community that works as it was designed to, because as we are being poured into, we're able to pour out to others. So the rhythm of the gospel, this reciprocal response, right? So there it is. There's, a, there's an invitation, a beautiful invitation. There's an identity change. And then there's the response that we see when people get that. So this is the second point here. I, I have a true confession. This isn't easy for me. I would love to say, hey, if you just realize this, boom, you're set. You'll never feel the ache of loneliness again. I'm frequently anxious. I'm frequently unat ease, not knowing if I really belong, feeling sometimes awkward in my own skin. And so it's not this magic thing that, boom, once you realize it, it fixes everything. But I have tasted it, and I know it's real and I know it's good, but what I'm learning is that I have to make space to be with Jesus. Because I will fill my plate completely full with the help of small children who need diapers changed and books read to and soccer games gone to. I will check my phone to make sure I don't have an email every three minutes. It's one of the ways that I crowd out God. So there is a true confession. If you see me on campus, you're welcome to ask me how that's going. 
It's probably a big mistake, but thank you for that. But I, I have to make space or I forget. I have to do things like go outside for a walk by myself so that I can remember and be reminded by Jesus that he loves me. So I'm not pretending it's this magic thing, but I am saying this is the only place in the invitation of Jesus that you can find what you're looking for. But just like any good hospitality, probably like me, you have to make space for it. Now that may look like worship on your hall with your friends. It may look like taking some long walks in this beautiful patch of ground God has given us here. But my challenge today is to do a little heart self-examination, right? Where are, where are you with that invitation that Jesus has given you? And here, uh, disclaimer, caveat, I like talking about these things. I like covenant. If any of you want to talk to me about this stuff later, go for it. You're literally surrounded by people who love you and love Jesus. Staff, faculty, to a person, everybody that you know here probably wants to talk to you about this, right? So I don't know today if you're in the place where you're not even sure you want to accept this invitation because you kind of like running your own life. I don't know if you're in the place where you're really not sure that this could be true because you know how messed up you are. I don't know if you've given up trying because it seems too hard and it doesn't work. I, I don't know where God has you today. But what I do know is that for each of you, wherever you are, Jesus offers that invitation to extend his hand to you and say, come and follow me because I love you and what I will give you, what I will make you into is better than anything that you could believe. So I would ask you as you go out from here, as you do your day, to take a moment and let that sink and think, have I enjoyed or am I enjoying the hospitality that Jesus offers me today? Would you pray with me? God, I, I confess that I need this and I want it and I frequently fail to make space to enjoy what you've already given me. So for each of us today, Lord, would you meet us where we are with your sweet invitation of hospitality to love us. We need it. We need it badly. Would you break through the barriers that are there and allow us to be home and at rest in you that we might then turn and love our neighbor because you loved us first. And we ask that all in your awesome name, Jesus. Amen.